Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Sarah Dayan. Hi. Sarah, do you want to just introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Uh, so my name is Sarah. I'm a front-end engineer currently working at Algolia. And I've been into programming for almost 10 years and probably eight of those doing a lot of JavaScript. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Now, uh, I usually tell people what episode you were on, but um, I am actually halfway between my home in Utah and San Jose, California. Um, I'm actually out by Tahoe in Truckee, California, so I can't look it up at the moment. So uh, anyway, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go listen to how awesome Sarah was on the, on the show. Do you remember exactly what you talked about on the show? Yeah, sure. Uh, I talked about a library that I created that's called Denaro.js, which that's is... That's right. We talked which, about money. Yes, exactly. We talked about money and how complex it is to get it right, how, how complex it is to calculate it, all the rules uh -huh. that comes with it, and uh, why I created this library after a huge production, a huge production bug happened on us. Yep. That, that I remember that now. Yeah, I, I wind up on about five or six episodes every week. And so I'm like, I don't remember which one it was. But yeah, I do remember talking about that. Um, but, but yeah, this episode is more about you and your journey and how you got into programming and all of that stuff. And so uh, why don't you start us out with that, that uh, particular story? How did you get into programming? All right. That's uh, actually a long story. So as long as I can remember, I've always been into computers. Like my first computer was a PowerBook Duo Dock. So if you know what it is, you're an old person. It's an old Apple computer for, uh, from the 90s. So back then it was, my, it was my grandmother's computer and she gave it to me. So I was a child. And I remember spending hours, like just hours, uh, writing stories and, and playing really slow computer games. And so that time was really fun. It was way before having internet at home. And then internet arrived at home, like for general public. Uh, and at first, uh, my, my first experience with that is that you pay for every minute. So I was only allowed like 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And then it's like tw uh, 20, 2004, and we got broadband mm -hmm. internet at home, like flat rates, internet access broadband and that was a small revolution to me like i started spending so much time on my computer like day and night after school i went directly to the computer and so a year later i'm 15 at that time 
and I had met a few people online. We talked regularly, so I decided, how cool would this be to have our own little forum so we can chat together? And that's how I deployed my very first PHPBB forum. And nice. so that was my very first experience with programming. Then I decided, okay, I'll make a companion website. So I, were, I wrote a first version in HTML, and I used Microsoft mm -hmm. front page for that. Uh, Microsoft oh, the good old days. Yeah, the good old days of uh, WYSIWYG with Microsoft front page. That was really nice. And back then, you know, it was installed on the Windows computer that we had at home. And I, I had no idea that you could actually write a website with any text editor. But that thing was here. And it says, make your own website with Microsoft front page. I was like, wow, how cool is that? And so I created that HTML website. And then I remember it was the golden years of Flash. And having a Flash oh, website, yeah. you were like super elite, super cool when you had a Flash website. So I remember I cracked some version of Micromedia Flash, which just before mm -hmm. uh, Adobe purchased it. And I taught myself a bit of action script. And then I was like, and of course, when I say I taught myself, I mean, I hacked my way into working prototype with some copy pasted code from, in, from the internet. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was really fun. I still have a copy of that website. The, the code is terrible. It is horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really love it. I felt free at the time. You know, I was making stuff yeah. out of nothing, website. It was like no limits to my creativity. So, so yeah, so some, some years later, I was around 20. And I got, got my first job as a developer in a small agency. And that's how I got started. Nice. Yeah, it's funny. I remember when I was getting into development, jQuery was kind of this, it wasn't even out in uh, like 1.0. And I remember, yeah, writing stuff in prototype and figuring out how to make it do stuff and then debugging it because it didn't work in whatever browser. And yeah. Yeah, I remember. So that, that, that's about when I was getting in professionally. Um, but yeah. So was it prototype that kind of hooked you on JavaScript or was there something else that that made you want to start doing JavaScript? No, the very first thing that I did with JavaScript was actually jQuery, just as you mm -hmm. did. Uh, so back then I worked at an agency. So the, the biggest part of what we did was those short-lived surveys for companies. It was way before uh, Google Forms really took off, like uh, right. it is right now. And so the companies that commissioned us, they usually wanted some questions to only show when you had replied in a certain way to other questions. So we needed some client-side logic. And that's probably the first JavaScript I ever wrote. So yeah, jQuery, definitely. That's where, like, when I say JavaScript, it's jQuery. Back then, I was, I was not even capable of determining whether my code was JavaScript or jQuery. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually you weren't alone. Yeah, and it, it actually tells you how good the API is, uh, uh -huh. which I really believe. Like, to me, it's really no offense to jQuery and jQuery developers because I know it's kind of trendy to trash talk on jQuery, but I really believe, even though I don't use it today, that it is an incredible library that made a lot of sense back then. Like, it's less useful today, and the internal design of the library may be a little bit outdated, but... It's really helpful for people who feel a bit not at ease with vanilla JavaScript mm -hmm. or modern frameworks. And it still works. It works. It's, I think it was written in 2006 or maybe around that, that time. Right. Something like that. Yeah. 
and it still works. It's still, it's still used by many, many websites. So to me, it's a little bit like WordPress. Like you can trash, you can trash talk it all the time, but this is, this is helpful to many people. So, and to me, there was a really good introduction to JavaScript. Yeah. Uh, the other thing with jQuery is that I remember early versions of uh, Angular used jQuery or jQuery, what was it, jQuery Mini? Or, I can't remember. Anyway, but yeah, they used a version of jQuery in, in their stuff, you know, and then finally came around to their own DOM, Shadow DOM manipulation stuff once they adopted that out of React. And a lot of the stuff that React came up with, it was just, it, it wasn't really looking to replace jQuery. It was just looking to have a more performant way of managing the DOM. So yeah, I'm with you on not necessarily trashing jQuery. It's, it's not the tool I reach for today, but we wouldn't have what we have without it. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I really believe that it's, it's a good idea to avoid trashing something that was helpful to you uh, a while ago because yeah, technology sometimes does not evolve. It doesn't scale, but JavaScript, uh, jQuery scaled quite well for many, yeah. many years. Like many frameworks died in way, way less time than it took to, for, J for jQuery to become even outdated. So, uh, yeah. so that, yeah, that was my first encounter with JavaScript, like hiding and showing stuff. And actually it took me such a long time to properly debug it. I remember that. Uh, I didn't even know there was a console back then. Like for many, many years, <laughs> I was not even aware of that. I was using alerts to, to debug stuff. That was terrible. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I still do that. Idea. I'll admit it. Do, do you alert Sh stuff? <laughs> yeah, sometimes if, I, if I'm just a quick and dirty, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, I'll alert stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that, a lot of times I'll open up the console and put in a breakpoint. And I remember using Firebug in Firefox and yes. debugging that way. Yeah, absolutely. That was probably when I discovered that there was something like a console in my browser. Yeah. Uh, but back then, I was just alerting all the way. Uh, like, I don't even know how I, I made things happen. Like, I shipped anything in a timely manner because that, mm -hmm. that was really, really long. And, and the thing is that back then, I was hired as a full-stack developer. Uh, right. like I started with some old school PHP, but slowly it started becoming more and more into front end and like back then. So you have to rewind a bit. It's like 2010. So there was not like a clear separation between back end and front end, like specialties. Right. Uh, it was not as mainstream uh, as it is today. Like when you were a developer, you were doing everything, the back end and front end, the ops, the full cake. And, but the more I learned, the more I realized how deep it is. Like when you want to really do something nicely, when you want to do it well, you have to go really in depth. And that's mm -hmm. when you start realizing, okay, doing everything, the full stack really well takes a lot of work. That's not something that everybody can do. And so I decided, all right, I'll just specialize because this is, what I like doing. And my coworker at the time, he was really into PHP. He did not care too much about what happened in the browser. So we kind of naturally specialized. And that's how I, how I got more into front end, including more advanced JavaScript. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, around that time, 
it was much more common. Yeah, it was, okay, well, I have to have this effect on the front end. And so you would bolt some JavaScript onto it and call it good. And yeah, there weren't a lot of people that were really focused on the front end unless they were doing Flash. And then things changed. And when things changed, you know, Steve Jobs kind of killed Flash. Then people were looking for ways to do that stuff in JavaScript. And that's when things started to really seriously go toward, okay, we might need to specialize on the front end. And it sounds like you kind of hit that a little bit early. Yes, absolutely. I feel like when HTML5 and CSS3 and animations and stuff like Mm -hmm. that really started to happen, uh, then people became aware that, oh, this is, this is something that, that actually has a lot. There are many things to learn. There are many things to understand. And I feel like also it's been since uh, JavaScript framework started to be so popular, now we have more and more uh, front-end engineers that we take seriously. Yeah. We take them seriously and we listen to them. Like I remember back then doing CSS was considered a re- not even a skill. It was something that you do. Yeah. It's like just the, the last piece of pain. But when you really look into it, when you really look into how stuff are rendered on your screen, how the browsers, how the browser parses your CSS and your HTML, and the fact that the, there, there is a difference between two style sheets. One can be mm-hmm. faster than another. One can be a lot easier to maintain than another. And I feel like slowly it's getting there that people are taking front end a lot more seriously. They are no longer saying that this is the easy way out, the easy way to be a developer. They realize that there are so many things to be aware of, that JavaScript is a skill, that CSS is a skill, that knowing HTML and accessibility is part of being uh, a front-end developer and that it's not something that you can just learn in one day. This This is a real skill that takes time. So to me, this has come really with the the rise of the popular uh, JavaScript frameworks and the fact that we are also deferring a lot of work in the front end right now. We're deferring a lot of work to the browser, the, like the backend. Oh yeah. Really more handles the API part, like, uh, sends you the data, uh, gets the data, uh, processes a, a bunch of stuff. But now with more and more powerful browsers and computers, we are getting in a stage where it's okay to do all that heavy lifting in the browser. And so, right. yeah, to me, this is the, where it all started, the, the respect that we get today. Well, and I think another thing that really started to make the difference, I think it also contributed in some ways to the decline of jQuery and to the rise of a lot of these frameworks and the way that you know we, we utilize CSS and things like that is just that the browsers started to become much more uh, standards compliant. And so it made it a lot easier for, you know, because jQuery in a lot of ways was just a shim around a lot of the bugs that were in the different browsers or a lot of the differences that Microsoft built into IE that didn't exist in Firefox, that didn't exist in Safari, that blah, 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 right? And nowadays, they're almost all standards compliant. I think, I think most of them actually use WebKit at this point to render, so they're using a lot of the same rendering engines. And so we, we've gotten to the point, too, where you can almost optimize for one way of doing things and it'll work really well everywhere else. And so, yeah, you, you benefit from a lot of that. And, and then the frameworks kind of allow you to pave over the parts that you don't care about and just work on the parts that really matter. 
Yeah, definitely. I remember when Microsoft decided to drop like support for IE6, 7A. Mm-hmm. And at some point it was like, okay, now we can say to people that we no longer support it and we're no longer built for it because even Microsoft yeah. does not support it. And also when I remember when I just started uh, like being on the internet and using the internet, Back then, I was not even aware that there was such, such a thing as a browser. I was just clicking on the thing that was on, on my desktop, you know. I was not mm-hmm. aware that it was a, a specific program and I could use another. And then right. I, discovered, I discovered Firefox. Back then, Firefox was really big for people who were a bit more power users. And I've been using Firefox up to this day. But back then, it was really niche. You had to be someone who knows what they're doing. And then suddenly there is uh, an ad for Google Chrome on the Google homepage and everybody's mm-hmm. as Google as their own page. So everybody migrates to Chrome and suddenly you have many, many people like general public going to Chrome. So they're now using a browser that is considered really advanced, that it implements the latest, uh, the latest features that respects the standards that is really mm-hmm. fast. And so suddenly it's like we get a, we get more, we feel like we have more, uh, we have the right to actually build advanced stuff and stop caring too much about the old guard. And I know that it may be a controversial topic and I understand that not everyone can use Chrome. Many people are using websites or they're browsing mm-hmm. apps at home. Uh, not at home, but at work, and they don't have the choice. But more and more people have the choice when they're at home or on their phone or on their personal computer to use something that is new, that is more recent, and that is more secure, and that allows Mm -hmm. for that. And so I I feel like it gave us the right to start building uh, onwards and so so using the the DOM API instead of using uh, jQuery and the likes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And there's a lot going on there. I'm curious. So, you know, you've worked for, did you go from the agency to your current job or did your journey take you through a few other companies first? So after the agency, I moved on to another company, a startup that was doing finance. So that's where I developed the Narrow.js. That was the reason why, uh, because, because of that production bug that we had. So I, I thought, okay, we need a clean way of handling money in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And then after that experience, I spent two years there. And then I decided to move on. And that's when I landed at Algolia. So it's been a bit more than one year that I'm working at Algolia. And mm-hmm. so far, so good. Nice. So what, what kinds of things have you built in JavaScript? I mean, we talked about JS, but what, what else have you done with JavaScript that you're proud of or excited to talk about. All right. So I'm working on two JavaScript libraries at the time. Uh, the first one is Ooh, called glutton for punishment. Sorry. I said, Oh, you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah. So the first one is called browser store JS. Uh, so it's a library to persist data into various browser based storage systems. And oh, so, nice. it, yeah, it might sound like yet another abstraction uh, over the local storage but it has one highlight, which is the concept of uh, multi-stores. 
And so the idea is that the library lets you load several kinds of storages at once. So let's say local storage and the URL query string. And it has a similar interface as if you only were using a single store. And this means that when you try to get something, uh, browser store will look up every store in order. So if you've loaded the URL query string and the local storage in that order, and they both have a different value for the key that you're trying to read, the library will return one from the, it will return the one from the URL and not from the local storage. Gotcha. But if the URL was empty, it would go up to the next, et cetera, until it reaches the last one. So that might sound a little bit of obscure, that kind of use case, but the reason why I created it is that we are in the process of rewriting the, the JavaScript of the Algolia documentation website. Mm -hmm. And we save the state in the local storage, uh, including things like the programming language that you've selected because we do right. multi-language. So when you select a language in the snippet, uh, we, we save that. So next time that you come on the website, it's saved and it loads up with the right language. I gotcha. But, but then you can overwrite it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Sometimes you want to go to a specific URL and you have language equals something, language equals JavaScript, but you have Ruby in the local storage. So in the code, before using that library, we had like some dirty if statements everywhere. And now not only... I love those. Yeah, and, and the thing is, <laughs> then you have to read it and you have to test it and it's a less, yeah. less, less, less lot of fun. So, uh, so now the thing is that we treat the URL query string like a storage system, which makes it actually better because you avoid having those abstractions that say, okay, get this parameter from the query string. Uh, and we also have a nice abstraction that handles that uh, that logic of looking up one store uh, one after uh, one after another. Uh, so that's nice. a fun project. It's still under development. I wrote it in JavaScript, but I'm really thinking into migrating it to TypeScript before I bump to V1. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm new to TypeScript. I've never written any project with it. So I figured, okay, the code base is quite small. So that may be a good candidate to uh, learn TypeScript and still be doing something useful. Mm -hmm. And the second project that I'm working on is called Create Tailwind App. So do you know what Tailwind is? Yeah, it's a CSS in JavaScript framework. Uh, it's not CSS in JavaScript, but plus oh, it, it's, it's not? Uh, no, it's just atomic CSS. It's a bunch of okay. helper classes to, uh, to, do, uh, to build websites in an atomic way with CSS. And oh, okay. so I created, I created Create Tailwind app. So it's a node, uh, a node based CLI and it lets you generate new projects with Tailwind CSS. And I really love Tailwind. Like I'm using it many, many projects. And sometimes I just want to quickly bootstrap a sandbox to play with it. And right now uh, I have to, to do all the setup manually every time that I, I want to create a new app. So what I decided to do is a tool with which you can create an app in seconds and you use the bundler of your choice. Like you say, okay, I want to use it with Webpack. I want to use it with Parcel. And you just answer a few questions and boom, it's done. It's on your computer and you can start playing with it. So this is, nice. uh, this is still in development as well, but it works. Uh, the nice thing is that it comes with everything you, you want, like a hot reload. Uh, you can even use it in production. It has everything for production. So, so yeah, that's nice. And it lacks a few features. 
uh, including some end-to-end -end tests. But uh, anyone who fills up to the task can, can come and is welcome to give me a hand. I would really appreciate that. I'm curious, does it work with other tools like the Angular CLI or Create React app or things like that? Uh, so I don't do React nor Angular, I do Vue. So I use Vue CLI, right. uh, which is a really, really beautiful piece of software. Yeah, it's awesome. Yes, it's really great. And the, the fact that it also, have, it also has um, like a browser UI is really nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, for Create Tailwind app, I drew most of the inspiration from Create Instant Search app. So Create Instant Search app is an Algolia product. Okay. Uh, Instant Search is, is the family of UI libraries that we have at Algolia to build search. And Create, uh, create Instant Search app is a CLI that lets you bundle a brand new Algolia UI with Instant Search. So you specify your app mm -hmm. ID, your API key, what index you want to use, uh, what framework you want to use, and boom, like you have a React search with Instant Search with all your data. It works great. <laughs> So yeah, that's, uh, that's a really nice piece of software that I used as a, an inspiration for the tool. I usually really love doing uh, uh, CLI tools with Node. I think it's so easy now, like when you use stuff like Commander or Inquirer, that makes everything so easy, that's so fun. Nice. So those are your current projects. Um, do you have other people helping you with those or are you working on them on your own? So for now, those two projects I'm working, uh, I'm working on my own. I'm mm -hmm. really open. So Browser Store.js is open source. Uh, Create Tailwind app for now is private. I will open it as soon as everything works. So I guess in probably a couple of days. And then like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm big with open source. I really love the principle of open source. So anybody can PR, anybody can contribute. I'm really open to that. Nice. Uh, do you have any other projects that you're working on at this point? Uh, so for now, like personal projects, I think that's about it. Uh, mm -hmm. At Algolia, we are redoing the full JavaScript of the documentation. So that's a fun project. Uh, what you have to know about the documentation of Algolia is that it's, uh, it's an actual old school um, generated website. So it uses a static website generator, but not like you may think with something like Gatsby or, uh, or I don't know, Nuxt. So it's not mm -hmm. JavaScript powered. It's not like uh, it does not serve an HTML and then handles everything with JavaScript like uh, you right. do with Gatsby. It's really, everything is generated. And then the only JavaScript that you have is the JavaScript that powers all the, the front end uh, widgets, like the little features, like, I don't know, the, right. the sidebar or stuff like that. So it's not like you can do everything with React and it's all, or Vue or whatever. And it's not like it makes sense, actually. So what we're doing right now is that we are getting rid of all the, the heavy libraries that we were using and actually trying to rewrite it in vanilla JavaScript but with test, but with structure, and at the same time, make sure that we really minimize the weight of it. So that's a, that's a really big project, actually. Even if we don't have that much JavaScript, 
but we still have enough so that it's uh, it's complicated and it takes time uh, but that's really interesting because it forces you to go back to basics and to make sure that you really understand everything that you're working with um, mm -hmm. allows us to to create some nice abstractions but at the same time we do not want to overthink it so uh, right. yeah really interesting project that uh, that we are working on right right now yep i'm going through a similar thing with devchat.tv moving it off of wordpress and just onto a static site generator and then yeah i'm just pulling in third-party javascript to load comments and social sharing and stuff like that what tool are you using for the static site generation i've been using 11djs and yeah, it, it doesn't favor any front end framework. It literally just generates HTML. Okay. So that's, that, yeah, that's the idea when I said old school is that really what yeah. I meant is that it generates HTML, whatever the language that is powering it, it's just generating HTML. It does not yep. create, it does not route everything for you. It just outputs it. And uh, yep. so at Algolia, we're using a, a Ruby based tool. Um, we actually, no, we we used to use Middleman, which is uh, it's also kind of Ruby. An, yeah, it's also Ruby. It's uh, an, it's older than stuff like Gatsby, but we used to use right. that. And then, because there were some big performance issues, we decided to do something custom, something homemade. So we created something that's called Frontman, which has really impressive benchmarks. And right now, this uh -huh. is well, we're going to open source it by the end of the year. That'd be awesome. Let me know and we'll get you on Ruby Roads to talk about it. Definitely. I'd love to. And my, myself and my coworker, Devin, who worked a lot on it. Nice. Well, cool. So if people want to reach out to you or find you online, where do they typically find you? All right. So you can find me at frontstuff.io. So frontstuff with two Fs at the end. I'm on Twitter, frontstuff underscore IO. And you can find me on GitHub. So it's GitHub. My handle is Sarah Dayan. So S-A-R-A-H-D-A-Y-A-N. Nice. Very cool. Um, well, the last part of the show we do is pits. So do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Sure. I have three of those. Uh, so first one is a uh, JavaScript one. Uh, I started playing with a library called ZDoc. Do you, have, have you heard of it? Uh-uh. Oh my God, you really need to check it out. It's, it's excellent. So it's a library. So I'm going to actually read, uh, to read the description because I, I cannot do it justice. So it's a flat, flat round designer friendly pseudo 3D engine for Canvas and SVG. Oh, that sounds fun. And it is kick-ass. So the one who made it is Metafizzy on, on GitHub, Dave DeSandro. He made a lot of awesome JavaScript libraries like mm -hmm. Zotope or uh, some, uh, he, he made some, many things that are like really front-end oriented. And they're all remarkable, but this one is fantastic. Like when you see it, you're, you're, you're probably going to have a lot of fun spending so much time playing with the API. It's really awesome. And I, can't wait to see what people do with it. This is the kind of stuff where you're like, okay, it's going to unleash some kick-ass creativity. And even if it does not, uh, hats off because this is a wonderful piece of JavaScript. Nice. Uh, so next, I would say outside of programming, uh, I'm patiently waiting for the next season of uh, 
a Netflix show, a net, Netflix show called Dear White People. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's really cool. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a really good satire that visits many aspects of today's racism. It may hurt people's feel. It may hurt people's feelings, but uh, it's really for the best. Uh, really great show, really fun, and at the same time, really deep. And besides that, my third pick would be that I'm replaying my favorite gaming trilogy right now, which is the Mass Effect trilogy. And I don't know if you have ever played it, but this series is spectacular. It's really awesome. It never gets old. It gets me every time. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really having a lot of fun right now with some old school gaming. Nice. Uh, I'm going to jump in, I guess, with a few picks of my own. Um, one is is uh, just going on a road trip. Um, now, this, this road trip wasn't planned. As I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm actually out near Tahoe in California. Um, and I'm heading to San Jose. So as soon as we're done, I think I have another one of these. And then, and then I'm going to head, you know, finish driving to San Jose. But uh, it's just been nice to kind of take some time. You know, I get a little bit of downtime. I've been listening to some podcasts and audio books in the car. And uh, I've just really, really been enjoying that. Um, and then, uh, I got a deal. I got a pretty good deal on my hotel as well. And I went through, uh, TripAdvisor is where I wound up booking it through, I think. And, uh, yeah, so I've been pretty happy. No, I booked it through hotels.com. That's where I got it. But yeah, you can usually get a pretty decent deal there. So I've been happy about that. Um, I'm heading out to the Velocity Conference, which is a DevOps conference. And uh, that is in service to a couple of different things. One of them is the new DevOps podcast that we're getting rolling. And it's actually not a new podcast. We adopted the Food Fight Show, which is a podcast done by the folks at Chef. Um, I don't think it was ever officially a Chef show, but that's kind of the way it went. We're kind of rebranding it and reworking it so that it's more focused around the current state of DevOps. But yeah, I'm going out there to line up some guests and, and, and folks there. We're going to rebrand the show. It's going to be Adventures in DevOps instead of Food Fight Show, um, just to kind of explicitly tell people what the show is about. Um, and yeah, looking forward to getting that rolling here. They're going to record the first new episode. They, they just recorded a farewell episode last week um, from the old cast, and then the new cast will come in, and they'll record their first episode this week. So yeah, it should come out pretty soon, and I'm pretty excited about that as well. And uh, yeah. One more thing, if you, if you are working on the static site stuff, um, I'm just going to recommend Netlify Dev um, as an awesome tool for running a lot of that stuff. So anyway, uh, thanks for coming, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was fun to catch up. And yeah, keep me posted on those other libraries because I'd love to do a JavaScript Jabber on those things as well. Definitely will do. All right. Well, you have a good day, and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.